This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Morning, everybody. As you know now, my name is Ron. And um, so I have a special greeting for those of you who are brand new, who have never been here before. Um, I know it's a risk to go and say, I'm going to go sit in a crowd where I may not know anyone And I'm going to try to learn something from the pastor that hopefully will help me in life. But you have no guarantee it will help you in life. But it's a risk that you're taking. And I just want to say our church, this church, one of its core values is we want to be a place for people who have no background in faith. We want to be a place where they can come and learn. So thank you for taking that risk this morning. I want to tell you this. I don't stand before you because I'm a guy who has it all together. I don't. I'm I'm a regular human being just like you. My job happens to be being a pastor. But that doesn't give me any inside curve on life. I struggle with all the same things that you do. And I'm learning in real time with God. And as Diva just mentioned... What I am going to share with you this morning is brand new to me. It's something that God is teaching me day after day after day. And it's it's a pretty foundational thing to the Christian faith. And so God's sort of shaking my foundations and moving the foundation uh, where it needs to be a little more accurately. And I'm happy to share that with you in real time and invite you to walk on that journey as well. So for the next 27 minutes or so, uh, let's have a whole lot of fun together. And if I can remember how to run this thing, here we go. Way to pray. And we, this is week number three. And so we started out with what's my win? And we learned that prayer is not an oration. It's not a speech we make to God. It's not a carefully planned, poetic, whatever. That the best understanding of prayer is it's an ordinary conversation with the God who actually sees us. This is not a God who sits above us. This is not a God who's behind us. This is not a God who just observes the things we do and makes notes in his journal so that at some point in time when you and I stand before him, he can pull out his journal and remind us of all the things that we did wrong. This is a God who sees past what we've done. And he actually sees us as we really are. The next week, We learn that prayer always provides. Now, we usually, we understand that Christians will sometimes say prayer works. And usually what that means is they got what they wanted. But there are many times when the answer we get doesn't exactly line up with what we ask for. And we're going to press into that very concept this morning. But the point is, When we speak with God, God never ignores us. He always takes some action. But where we get in trouble is when we think that prayer and God works like a vending machine. I pop in a few prayers and out and I punch the button I want and out the bottom pops exactly what I want. 
And because we think of it as a sort of a vending machine, can you imagine standing in front of a vending machine and you pop in your coins and a message comes up on the screen and says, not now. (laughs) Yeah, that's not going to work for us. And when we view prayer as that, it doesn't work for us either. But we did learn that God always moves and he always moves on our behalf because prayer always provides. And then last week we dug into the question, can I do it wrong? And we learned a ton of things. But one of the things that we learned is that faith is what trains our imagination to see the spiritual realities of life that our eyes can't see. It's what enables us, as we'll learn in a little bit, to give and receive messages from God's Spirit. It all happens on the inside of us, in that place that God has enabled us to see things that you can't actually touch with your hands. To perceive things that you can't feel or smell or see with your eyes. It's in that space that God can give us real messages. So this is, can I do it wrong? Part two. And one of the things we used last week was a pinata. And I I think the simplest answer of to, can I do it wrong is really found in thinking of a pinata. Can you swing at a pinata wrong? Huh? It doesn't mean you always hit it. But it doesn't mean you swung wrong. And in fact, Jesus' brother James recognizes we're afraid that if I pray wrong, I'll make God mad. Well, no, you can't make God mad by praying wrong any more than you can make God mad by swinging at a piñata and missing it. No one at the place is going, oh, you idiot, give me that thing. (laughs) No, everybody says, nice try, nice try, right? Sure. So James, who is Jesus' brother, is looking at prayer and said, you know what, in some ways, it sort of is like a piñata. There's two ways to actually miss the mark when when it comes to a piñata party. And one is, if you don't swing. Because if you don't swing, for sure, you're not going to hit it. Okay? So notice how James says this in in. In James chapter 4, he says, you don't have what you want because you what? You don't ask. You get no candy from the piñata because you didn't swing. You just didn't ask. But is it possible to swing and miss? He said, well, oh yeah, take a look at this. Next verse. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. How could my motives be wrong? Well, You want only what will give you pleasure. That's a swing and miss prayer. And we're going to dig into that a little bit right here at the beginning. So we left you with this question. What if the real question at the heart of prayer isn't what will God do for me? That's the vending machine. What can I get out of this machine? How many times do I have to pray in order to get out of the bottom what I want down there? What if that's not the real question at the heart of prayer? But what if it's What will I do in life and how could I invite God to partner with me in that? That's a completely different question. And when you think about it, there's a much simpler question 
that sort of summarizes those two. And here it is. What if God really is my father? Now, now just sit with me for a minute on this. Oftentimes, I would say the vast majority of the time, when I'm confused about something that has to do with the Christian life, and it's like, that doesn't add up, or that's confusing, or I don't understand why that is that way. Oftentimes, if I go back to the basic reality that the Christian life is really a father-child relationship. Well, then things start adding up. And we're going to see this morning that God's relationship with us is an actual mirror of the relationship that you have or would like to have with your children. It's actually the same. But you know what? Even if you've come to church for a lot of years and you've heard that reality over and over again, and even if you grew up in a church and, 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 and you went to church and every Sunday they started a prayer and everybody said it together and it started with our Father, which art in heaven, our Father. It's difficult to get that reality deeper than our heads. Because even though I know God is my father, even though I know God is my dad, most of the time in life, it just doesn't feel like that. Anybody there? That's hard, isn't it? Now, God knew we would struggle with that. And so one of the guys that Jesus personally trained and just this awesome guy <clears throat> wrote to some friends of his who were also Jesus followers and he gave them some help with this. And this is what Paul, sometimes called the Apostle Paul, wrote to his friends who were Christians in Rome. He said, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Now, last week we said, if you imagine God to be a judge, then your conversations with him will tend to sound like the conversations you would have with a judge. Probably not your favorite conversation. If you imagine God to be more like a celestial policeman who is there to enforce the laws of the universe and make you behave, well, then your conversations with God are going to take the form of the conversation you would have with, with a cop. And we also noted judges and cops are wonderful people, right? Just, just so you know that. They are wonderful people. If you envision God as sort of a celestial Santa Claus, where I make a list, and I pray, and I expect God to deliver, right? We conveniently forget that the wonderful song that teaches us that tells us he's making a list, and he's what? Checking it twice. You see, you haven't received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves, that you might be on the wrong list or on the wrong side of the law with the judge and, and the police officer. Instead, we have received God's spirit when he adopted us as what? Read those next three words with me. His own children. And now we call him Abba, which was the 
That's dada. That's literally what that means. Or father. But God knew we would even struggle with that. So look what he says next. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm what? That we are God's children. You go, how does that work? My guess is everyone in our audience has experienced that very thing. Okay? If you've been to New Life more than twice, you came here not knowing what you would find, probably a little fearful of what you might find, maybe a little skittish about about what church might be, and it might be boring, and the pastor might get up and shake his finger and yell and scream at us and tell us we're all going to hell and... That might have been what your picture was. But hopefully when you walked in the door, something started to happen on the inside of you. And somewhere in the morning, during the service, you began to sense something in your spirit that many of you have said to me and described to me. I had not been here very long before this place just felt like home. It felt like this is where I belonged. Guess what? God's spirit was joining with your spirit to affirm that this was a safe place for you. And you got that message and you came back. That's how that works. It's not complicated. So if what what. God said what Jesus said is true, that God is our Father. It brings up a very interesting question, and that is, what does God want for his kids? Huh. This is where we kiss our brains goodbye. And we shouldn't. Okay? Because if you judged what what God wants for his kids by my prayers sometimes, maybe by yours, but for sure by mine, You could sum up some of my prayers pretty simply. You know, God, if you would just handle the problems in life and the people in life, I would have a great time. (laughs) So I pray, God, would you bless me with this and give me that and take care of that and take care of that and heal that person and bless that person. And there we go. So here's how it works. Those are prayers of convenience and comfort. So here's what happens. I ask for things that will make my life easier and more comfortable. Anybody here ever ask God, God, you know, I've had it really easy for a while. Could you see me something a little tough? (laughs) No, we would never ask for that. So we ask for things that make life easier and more comfortable. And when we ask, we really want God to answer, right? And of course, we wouldn't ask if we didn't. And when he does, we feel close to him because God answered our prayer. And then we thank God for caring and being generous. And we look at that, we go, yeah, God, that's exactly the way I want it. What could go wrong with that? Hello, pick up your brain now and ask yourself, is that how you would parent your children? They're going to ask you for anything and everything that makes it comfortable and easier for them in life. And you're always going to give it to them. And it's always going to work out really well. They're always going to feel really close to you. And they're always going to thank you for being a loving and generous parent. Is that how that works? No. 
This is how it works in real life. I ask, I get what I want, I feel entitled, and I complain when I don't get more. We've all been there. We've all done that. So what does God want for his kids? Huh, here's the question. What if you and I want something different for our kids and we do? And what if God wants the same for his kids? Huh. What if instead of blind obedience, and trust me, I've been a parent of three teenagers at one time. I've been a parent of three preschoolers at one time. There are seasons when I would have given anything for an extended season of just blind obedience. (laughs) Yeah, right. But the truth is, if that's all our kids did, they'd never grow up. They wouldn't. Remember, this life with Jesus is a parent-child relationship. He's not actually after your blind obedience. What if instead of blind obedience, God wants us to develop an unshakable inner sense of morality and ethics? And if we have an unshakable inner sense of morality and ethics, will our behavior be okay? Be great. What if? Instead of always getting what we want, God wants us to develop inner strength to endure no matter what comes our way in life. Did you ever tell your kids, I'm sorry, I could get that for you, but you'll be better off without it. And you need to learn how to do without in life. Ever tell your kids that? I hope you did. Or life's going to be a rude awakening for them. Yeah. What if, instead of blindly following a path God lays out for us, he wants us... By the way, this is where it's sort of new territory for me. Okay? What if he wants us to learn how to make wise decisions in choosing our own path in life? I sort of always had this thing that God had a path for me and it was all laid out for me and it would be the best path for me possible in life and God was just waiting for me to sort of get on with the program of walking in that path and when I veered from the path, God would work to get me back on that path because that was my path in life. But as I've been processing that with God, I am realizing that that's not really how God chooses to walk through life with us. He doesn't want to make all the decisions for us. He wants us to grow wise. How are we going to grow wise if he makes all the decisions for us? He wants to develop in us that strength and that judgment. And that inner wisdom. And God loves it when he sits and waits for us to choose our path in life. Now listen, I'm just going to be able to introduce this 
to all of us this morning. And we will come back to this theme over and over again in the coming weeks and months. And so this morning, I'm just going to try to just sort of pull back the first layer of the onion and give us a look on the inside of what it means to choose our own path in life and how God might walk with us in that path. So here's the sort of the bottom line. God answers our prayers in ways that develop strength, wisdom, endurance, and moral character as we choose and walk out our path in life. And that's why God doesn't always give you what you want. He's always working on this. Now, that guy that I was telling you about that was personally trained by Jesus, Paul, sometimes they called the Apostle Paul, he understood that because we have a number of his prayers captured in the Bible. And I just wanted to point our attention to one of those prayers, and you'll see how he was on board with that. He said, I ask God to strengthen you, not just give you what you want, to make you strong, to strengthen you by his spirit. And just in case you and I would get the wrong idea, he says, not brute strength, but a glorious what? Inner strength. That Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. What was the question? Maybe the question at the heart of prayer is supposed to be, What will I do in life and how can I invite God to partner with me in that? There it is. As you open the door and invite him in. He goes on to say, and I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on what? Love. That takes some character, doesn't it? Yes. Both feet planted firmly on love. You will be able to take in. There's a capacity there. That God wants to grow on the inside of us. And that capacity is to be able to take in with all the followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Wow. And then he gets a little even more specific than that. To reach out and experience the breadth of God's love. Wow. To test its length. I love the story that Sarah told us this morning. Yesterday as she sat at the keyboard, she looked at the words of that song and said, God, I don't think I can sing this today. And if you knew what was going on in Sarah's life, there there are some serious struggles that she is facing in her extended family that she's actually never faced before. And I'm sure she felt very alone. And God, I don't know where you are. I don't know if I can sing this part about you inviting me out to do things that seem impossible in life because what I'm going through right now seems impossible. I don't know how I can do this. But God was saying to her, you know what? I'll meet you there. Test the breadth of my love. Sarah, if you'll sit here for a minute, I'll meet you here. And I will assure you of my love. Plumb the depths. Rise to the heights. Live 
full lives, not spoiled lives. That's what we think is full, right? Live full lives, full in the fullness of God. So as as we close, it, it, don't get ready to pack up yet. I've got like five to seven more minutes of things to teach you. <laughs> but as we close, I, I want to introduce to us a concept of how God relates with us. And we're going to start with this chart. I know it's crude. Okay. I invented it myself. All right. But I think that I had a very common misunderstanding of how God works in history and how God works with me. Okay. And the interesting thing about human history, God has a macro view, which is like the 40,000 foot level view. And God has a micro view, which has to do with how God interacts with little old me. And let's start with the macro view. God has already predetermined, and you can see it up there on the charts, that the the whole idea of you and me and a world and an earth and children and human beings and all that stuff, that was all God's dream, that was all God's idea, and he wound it all up at creation, and, and that's how it all got started. God said, I'm going to start this thing with creation, and guess what? I'm going to work my overall plan of history, and I can tell you from before I created anything, I could tell you where it's all going to end up, because this is my will. This is my will. And it starts with creation, and it ends up with eternity. And there's a little castle there that looks strangely like Disneyland. Yes, because the truth is, you and I all start with birth, and we will end up somewhere in eternity. God has already decided that. He hasn't decided where you're going to end up, but he's decided that you will end up in eternity, and so will I. And God is slowly and steadily marching our world Toward its end, he's the only one who knows when it's going to end and how it's going to end. Already got it all decided. But the interesting thing is, God has given to you and to me this wonderful thing called free will. This ability to choose our own path in life. And so the churches that I grew up in taught that, well, you had free will, but only sort of. Because God had a path all laid out for you in life, and it was his path for you. And your job was to get on the path and stay on the path. Anybody relate to that? Yeah. As I read through the lives of people in in Scripture, that's not how God works that. I think maybe a chessboard would help us understand this. So what if you and I were to sit down and play chess with God? 
Okay? Who's going to win? God. But maybe not for the reasons you and I think. I always thought, of course God would win because he knows every move I'm going to make. And he has already plotted his counter moves for every move I'm going to make. And in the end, I will always lose. Back up the train for a minute and let's postulate something slightly different. What if God chooses not to know every move I'm going to make? What if God loves to watch me make my own moves? Is he going to win? Of course. He knows every possible move you can make on a chessboard. And he knows every possible counter move. So he's not sitting over there going, oh man, I hope they don't make that move. No. God still knows everything. He just chooses not to know what I'm going to do next because he's curious about me. Well, back up the train just a minute. Those of you that had kids, did you ever try to lay out a path for your kid and tell them that's the only path and your job as a parent was to get them to do exactly what you had said in life? How'd that work for you? No, it would steal from your kid a choice that should be theirs. I believe with all of my heart that every single one of us sitting here this morning has many different paths in life we could choose and all of them good. And God is waiting for us in real time to make her move. Now, just for a minute, let's suppose that God is not playing against us on this chessboard. Let's just suppose that God comes around and he sits with us. Okay? He's still moving the other pieces, but he sits with us. And he says to us, what move would you like to make? And we go, well, I'll make this move. Now, you know what God knows? Sometimes the move that we make might not be really good for us. And we have the opportunity to say to God, I was thinking about doing this. What do you think? And God might come back with, hmm, I think you ought to look at that again. That might not be the best move for you. Oh, okay. So we look at it again. But we make a bad move. So God makes his move not to defeat us, but he makes a move that sort of nudges us to make a better move next time. Because he's continually making his counter moves in ways that put us in a position to succeed but he never maps it all out for us. That same guy, Paul, wrote this to his friends in Rome. We know that in all things, God is what? Working 
Not that he's predetermined it, but in everything, God is working for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Wrapping this all up, this is what it looks like. What is prayer? Here it is. Through ordinary conversations with him, God is helping me in real time build myself into a person of beauty, strength, wisdom, and wonderful influence. Time out. Is that what you want for your kids? That they would build themselves into a place of beauty, strength, wisdom, and wonderful influence? Hello? That's what God wants for us. And the fun for him is sitting beside us at the chessboard game of life. And no matter what path we choose, saying, I can meet you in that path. And we say, I would like to do this. By the way, you can make a silly choice. I could have chosen to be an artist. And if you've ever seen anything I drew, you would say, Pastor, I think you should consider a different, a different, yeah, a different profession. Right? Yeah. And God would meet me, but that'd be a tough life. God would be there anyway. He wants to know, what am I going to do in life? And then will I invite him to partner with me? And I want to leave you with this. God is at work in my life. And he will work it out for me. I want to give an invitation as we close. And the invitation is for those of you who are considering becoming Jesus followers and what I've said today has resonated with you and you say, you know what? I would love to invite God into my life and to be my father, to adopt me as his kid and to begin walking through this great adventure of life with him. If that's you, I'm going to give you a very short prayer to pray that sort of just tells God that intention and it will help give words to the intention of your heart. And then I want to ask you to stop by the info kiosk and pick up what we call our New Believers Quick Start Guide. It will help you take your first steps in walking with Jesus in a wonderful way. Let's all join in prayer. God, thank you. That you have made life simple enough that if we can just remember that you're our dad, if we can just remember you're, you're our loving and wonderful and perfect parent, then a lot of things make sense that were question marks before. Thank you, you give us choices in life and don't just micromanage our lives. But you give us the freedom to explore and to wonder. And even as the song we sang earlier this morning, to step out into the water, into the great unknown, and you will meet us there, and that you will do in and through our lives things that currently seem impossible, but they aren't with you. God, would you call to yourself those of us in this audience today, who are ready to walk with you. And if that's you, friend, here's a very simple prayer that you can pray. You can say, loving Father, today I choose 
to become your child? Would you accept me into your family? I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.